Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. On today's episode, we want to talk about the Christian view of ethics, the Christian view of ethics. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. When we think about ethics, uh, we're talking about not necessarily what is being done, but what ought to be done. And in our previous episodes, we've discovered or we've talked about, rather, how truth comes from God. God created the universe, and when he created the universe, truth came along with it. It's not the place for man to try to redefine or recreate truth. Man does not create truth. It's already been created by God when he created the universe. So the scientists, as I've argued before, the scientists can never say, I created uh, the second law of thermodynamics. The most that the scientists can say is, I discovered the laws of um, thermodynamics that was already deposited here by God. The most man can say is, I discovered gravity. Man can never say, I created gravity. The laws that govern nature were already created prior to man being created. 
God had already created these uh, divine laws and these natural laws. So when it comes to ethics, God has already given us the parameters for humankind. When Adam was in the garden, God had already established parameters on what he could do and not do. When Eve was created out of the reeb of, of man, God had already given her boundaries on what she can do and couldn't do. They both knew what God had said. And God had already created these parameters, not because God is a tyrant and not because God didn't love them, but conversely, because God did love them, he wanted to protect them and God gave them boundaries because of this love. In the same fashion, uh, we shouldn't look at the prohibition, but rather uh, we, we should look at the things that uh, precipitated the reasons why God is prohibiting us from doing certain things. Due to sin, due to the fall, this ability to run amok, this ability or propensity to do things that will hurt us uh, has heightened and uh, is recklessly out of control. So when we lean to the natural man, the natural woman, uh, chaos ensues, uh, envy ensues, murder ensues, adultery ensues, uh, fornication ensues when we lean to the natural man and woman. So God loves us so much uh, that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus the Christ, to die for me, to die for you, that we may have power to resist this propensity to live a life that's out of control. And that's what Christ does for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have power to resist the devil. And scripture tells us when we resist the devil, he will flee. So when we talk about ethics, we're talking about mores. We're talking about uh, the way we should live, uh, what it should look like, the standards for living. Uh, what does uh, fidelity look like? What does truth look like? Conversely, uh, the world live their life according to their own standard of ethics. But the Christian standard of, of ethics is very different than the world's standard of ethics. I believe that every church should have an introduction to ethics course. Christians or new babes in Christ should know what a Christian life looks like. Every Christian should know what is expected of them and how would they know unless they've been taught. So when it comes to Christian ethics, again, it doesn't deal with what's being done but it deals with what ought to be done. For if we look around our situation, we look around our neighborhood, we look around uh, the country, we see what's being done. But does that mean that we need to continue doing it because so many other people are doing it? Not necessarily. We must test the spirit by the spirit, and we must live in accordance to God's precepts. Again, ethics is fundamental to Christian growth. How we think, how we love, how we forgive, how we obtain, how we pray, 
how we deal with our fellow men. All these things are essential to Christian living. So let's look at um, the first thing that, that we'd like to discuss on this episode. Christian ethics are based on the will of God. Christian ethics are based on the will of God. So the way we live ought to be connected to God's will for our lives. We, we can't just do what we want to do and still claim to be Christians or, or, or to be disciples of Jesus Christ. The master uh, should have control over us. Uh, the master should have impressions on our heart. Uh, we must live in accordance to what God's will is. And God's will is for us to live um, in the image of Jesus Christ. So when we uh, talk about love, we strive to love like Jesus did on a finite level. When we talk about forgiveness, we strive to forgive like Jesus did on a finite level. When we talk about family, we strive to erect our families uh, in, in a way that would please Christ. We live for Christ. And, I, and this is what Paul was talking about when he says uh, that I like to know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering. Paul is saying that I want to adjust my life to please the master who saved me. So Christian ethics is based on God's will. God has a will for us that is different than the will that we have for ourselves. So once we become saved, we strive to figure out and to learn what God's will is for our life. So as a husband, I have to strive to figure out through the word of God, what does it look like to be a Christian man in uh, the century that we're living in? What does it look like to be um, a Christian father uh, in this society that we live in, live in? What does it mean to be a good neighbor in this society that we live in? God's will is what we should thirst for. God's will is what we should um, um, live for. So when we talk about Christian ethics, we have to bend our will to the will of God. Not what I want to do, but what does God want me to do? How does God want me to live? What does God want me to say? Um, how, how should I deal with my temptations? How should I deal uh, with my uh, uh, propensities? How should I deal with my culture? How should I deal with the language that I use? How should I deal with my investments? How should I deal with ministry and, and, and work? All of this must be rooted in our Christian ethics. It's our rule book for living. For, uh, when we talk about Christian ethics, in reality, is the rules that govern proper behavior, which is really the definition of logic, but that's another course. So Christian ethics help us to govern our attitude. It helps us to govern uh, how we behave towards God and how we behave towards our fellow man. So Christian ethics, number one, is based on God's will, meaning this is what God wants from us. It is God's will that no man perish. And since we're saved, God still wills for us to do some things. He wants us to be active in ministry. He wants us to read the Bible daily. He, he, he wants us to pray daily. He wants us to study the Bible, that we may give a biblical response to those that, are know, that don't know Jesus Christ. 
So we have a standard that's based on God's will for our lives. Number two, Christian ethics are absolute. There are moral obligations flowing from his nature that are absolute. So in other words, they are always binding everywhere on everyone. God's moral character does not change. They're absolute. So this argument for relativity, meaning what's true for you is not true for me. So there are these different levels of truth. It's a falsehood. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. There's only one truth, and it's absolute, and it comes from the God who created the universe. There's only one truth. That's not multiple truth. There's not different versions of the truth. We've become so skilled that we're not creating our own definitions. Some people dare to say, well, that's not a lie. It was really a white lie. No, it's a lie. A lie is a lie. And God uh, has a standard. So we can't go by what the world is doing. We can't go by what our neighbor is doing necessarily. We must go by what God is doing. So Christian ethics are absolute. It's absolutely grounded in the nature of God. Number three, Christian ethics are based on God's revelation, right? God has given us a general uh, revelation through nature, and then he's given us special revelations uh, that we can see through the Bible. So general revelation is afforded to all of humanity. You don't have to be a Christian to do uh, or practice math. You don't have to be a Christian to practice medicine. it's, It's information that God has afforded to all of humanity that we can gleam through natural signs, through natural laws. We are all able as human beings to study these things. However, when it relates to education for the Christian, there's a special revelation, and this is uh, information that we're able to ascertain based on being a Christian revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, such as discernment. People out in the world doesn't have the discernment that Christians have. We have a discernment that's rooted in the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes from heaven. It comes from God. Only God reveals these things. So when you're not saved, you don't have access to this type of discernment. So Christian ethics, again, is based on God's revelation to us. And God's revelation is found in the scriptures. And if we read the scriptures, if we study the scriptures, we're able to understand what God expects from us as a human being, what God's desire is for our lives, what the uh, standard of humanity is. As I look at all this chaos in our society and people murdering other people, one of the things that comes to mind is before we became Christians, before we accepted Jesus Christ, the natural man had us on a subhuman level, meaning that uh, those that don't know Jesus are subhuman. When I mentioned this term in, um, in, our, in my class, uh, many of the students were puzzled. Why did I say that those that are not Christians are subhuman? Well, let me try to argue my point. When God created Adam, that was the level of humanity, meaning humanity at its finest. What uh, Adam was supposed to do, 
was the signifier for what all of us were supposed to do. Um, what Adam was supposed to um, live out is the standard for what we are supposed to live out. So when Adam committed his transgression, he became less than the standard that God had created. And that's what I call subhuman. When you're not at the standard that God wants you to be to have that divine fellowship with him, um, you're you're subhuman. So humanity is being able to live out your life the way that God intended it to be originally. That's humanity. That, that, that's real humanity. There's nothing like being a human that understand both general revelation and special revelation. I had a, a, a lady in my class uh, who was a psychologist, and as I was talking about a particular topic, she was able to break open and unpack what I was saying further because of her education. And I complimented her. I said, you know, you're, you're uh, basically a, a scientist of the mind. And you were able, because of you being a Christian, you're able to not just see the general revelation, how the mind works biologically, but she was, she's able to also see things that uh, someone who is not a Christian, who is a psychologist, would never see. So she has the best of both worlds. She's able to see the psychosis on a natural level, but then see the psychosis on a special level that only God can give her because she's a Christian. So if you want to be the best human, be a follower of Jesus Christ. You learn both sides of the reality, the physical world as well as the metaphysical world. Number four, since moral rightness is prescribed by a moral God, it is prescriptive. Christians do not find their ethical duties in the standard of Christians, but in the standard for Christians. There's a standard for Christians. And we that profess to love the Lord must learn what these standards are. These are our plumb lines. These are our boundaries. These are God's fences to keep us from destroying or hurting ourselves. But in this nation, we seem to want to destroy the fences. We seem to want to tear down the fences. So we wonder why there's so much chaos in our community. It's because we are fighting against the standards of God, and yet we're still looking for peace. We're not going to find peace when we are rebelling against God, when we're living any type of way we want to live, when we are trying to deconstruct what marriage is when we are trying to deconstruct what manhood and womanhood is, when we're trying to de uh, deconstruct what the level or the obligations of parents should be, we, we find, we'll find ourselves um, in this chaotic mode. Every time we read the newspaper, every time we look at the news, something chaotic is going on in our communities because we're resisting against Christ himself, and people are not living by the standards that God created them to live under. So in short, Christian ethics must learn uh, or show us how to develop an ethical standard, not based on feelings, but on standards of the, of the world, right, or, or the standards of the world. So again, let me, let me restate that. Christian ethics is not based on your feelings. And it's not based on the standards of the world. Our ethics must stem from God's word. 
So despite variances in the methodologies to discover what act is right and wrong, the key is to satisfy God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Christians may subscribe to the deontology method, virtue ethics, natural law ethics, and divine command theory model of ethics often share a common goal. The goal is to find out what God's will is regarding our actions. All Christians must choose a model of ethics that is consistent with the scriptures. So let's give an example. Believers who believe in the deontological method argue that a person should choose to do good because it is their duty to do good based on scripture. Their motive for doing the right thing is rule-based. So it's very similar to uh, those who embrace the Constitution. And I know you may be saying, well, all uh, citizens uh, embrace the Constitution. Not necessarily. People, a lot of people know about the Constitution, but um, they don't live out the creeds of the Constitution. And some people uh, don't know anything about the Constitution beside its name. So for the Christians, rather, we have a rule book. And many uh, live by this rule book or their attitude is, I'm going to do what's right because the book says to do what's right, because the scriptures tell me to do what is right. So them doing the right thing or the righteous thing is based on this rule book called the Bible. And that's fine. It's one view of us getting to the same goal, which is to please God and which is to live righteously and circumspectly so that God will be pleased with our actions. So that's the deontological view, the duty-centered view. I live for Jesus because it's my duty. I live for Jesus because the book says I need to live for Jesus. And that's fine because God is the author of the book. God is the author of the Biblios. God is the author of the Bible. So that's the deontological uh, deontological view of ethics that I do or I live for Jesus because it's my duty. And that duty stems from the Bible. Number two, then there, there are those believers or Christians who subscribe to the virtue ethics model, uh, which dictates what is right and wrong as a character trait. So in other words, those who believe in this view believe that the main goal of ethics is to train people who possess the right virtue or qualities. So let me try to unpack that for you. If you have a fork, the function of that fork is to stab the food so you can uh, use it to pick it up and eat it. That is the function of the fork. So if that fork, let's say it breaks, it's no longer serving functionally for what it was created for. In the same way, the Christian Uh, should not be broken in terms of their deliverance. The Christian should not be broken in terms of the um, power of the flesh dominating them to the point where they're not able to live out their Christian, uh, fulfill their Christian duty. So what the virtue ethics model is, we do what's right because that's how we were um, uh, saved to do, meaning that you were born again to live out your your, your righteousness. You were born again to live in the right way. That's the virtue ethics versus the deontological. In the deontological, we think of doing right as a duty. 
But in the virtue ethics model, we think about doing what's right because that's how God created us uh, to live, uh, especially after accepting Christ. Uh, we learn how to become human again. We learn how to um, get back to the gar- garden standard. Uh, once we become a Christians, God is teaching us how to be the type of human that he originally created. So that's the beautiful thing about being a Christian. We have the best of both worlds. We understand what it means to be a human. But once we become uh, saved, we learn not to just live, but we learn to live abundantly uh, beyond what any man could think of. Because now we have a relationship with God, the creator. We have a relationship with the one who saved us. So believers who embrace the natural law of ethics, which is the other model, assert that the moral laws can be known through reasoning. They believe that human beings have a nature, a goal, and are subject to the laws of God. The law represents God's moral precepts. So in short, a person lives in accordance to his nature as prescribed by God. Number four, believers who subscribe to this theory argue that something is right because God willed it. In short, God wills the act or event based on his unchanging nature. So it doesn't matter which model that uh, you choose. And I'm referring to the models that I just shared. The goal is every Christian should have a Christian model of ethics that they follow. Ultimately, um, all of the models should lead us back to the will of God, lead us back to his word and what he wants us to do. Well, I pray that this information on Christian ethics has been informative and edifying. We solicit your prayers as we continue to um, advance this apologetic ministry. We ask that you continue to pray. We ask that you give. We need your support, your financial support. Go on our website, and you can donate there. And remember, we care and we love you and continue to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com. Hi, friend. Are you stressed? maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of too. Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.